Starting a business during the COVID pandemic is not everyone's cup of tea. But for Bronwyn Wyatt of Bayou St. Cake, it has been just the right thing. Why? Listen, it's on tip of the tongue. Welcome to Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Bronwyn Wyatt. She is the chef owner of Bayou St. Cake. (laughs) So Bronwyn, tell me how you came to decide that food was the area where you wanted to concentrate. Well, it was a little bit of a roundabout decision. Um, I actually attended Tulane University and I studied English and art and went on to get a master's degree in English before entering the restaurant industry. And I started working in restaurants mainly because I couldn't find a job in my chosen field. This was sort of right around Hurricane Katrina and then a little bit later the recession So there weren't a lot of jobs in media, which is what I was sort of hoping to do. So I ended up working as a prep cook in a restaurant that my brother was the chef of. Oh, that's that's convenient. It was a family affair. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's how I started in food. And once you got started, how long did it take you before you said, this is where I want to stay? That's a good question. I'm not sure I made a conscious decision to do so. Um, I was in fine dining. I worked as a line cook in fine dining for a couple years before shifting over to pastry. And I would have to say it was sometime when I started working in pastry that I decided that I would kind of choose this as my career path rather than as just something I was doing temporarily. And did you ever go to study or did you just develop your recipes and what you're doing on your own? Yeah, no, I never, I never went to culinary school. So it was sort of just learning on the job. So, so tell me then when you decided to go off on your own with uh, Bayou St. Cake. That was uh, when I got furloughed because of COVID actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I was, so it's a, it's a COVID story. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hard to escape those these days. Yes. And so how did you decide to go about doing this? Again, it wasn't really a conscious decision. Um, I, you know, wasn't working and needed to be making an income. Um, So I had started selling cakes to friends and family and it kind of took off from there. Um, I never imagined when I began it that I would be doing it two years later by any means. And you didn't imagine it because you thought, COVID would be over and you would go do something else or whether was it more just, I don't know if I'm going to like it. I mean, what were your thoughts? I suppose it was a a combination of those, but to be honest, I, I think like a lot of us, I found it very difficult to make long-term plans when COVID first hit because everything was so up in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I suppose on one level, I thought I'd 
go back to being a, a restaurant pastry chef. Um, I certainly didn't expect the cakes to take off in the way that they have. And so do you like it better working for yourself than being a, a restaurant pastry chef? There's definitely good things and bad things. Um, I have found that I have needed to learn about a lot of things that weren't part of my responsibilities before, um, namely things like accounting, running a social media account for a small business, um, you know, dealing with state and federal regulations. Those are all things that weren't my direct responsibility when I worked for other people mm -hmm. and now they are. So that's definitely, it's been a learning curve. Um, but I do love making my own schedule very much. And what about being totally in charge of what you do? Um, yeah, in terms of the good. cakes you make and whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've enjoyed that a lot. So do you ever get ideas from your customers? No, not really, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty self-driven. And so are you sort of in the mindset that you just want to develop a certain number of things that you make and that's what's available? Or are you always trying to think of something new? What, how is it? I mean, part of that's personality and part of that's business. Which are, what, what do you think about all that? Uh, I like to change my menu kind of a lot, um, mostly to keep things interesting for me. Mm -hmm. I also work um, almost exclusively with seasonal ingredients that are grown locally. So that kind of necessitates a lot of menu changes depending on when, our, when things are available. And so as a pastry chef, do you feel that you really kind of lean toward the sweet or do you also make breads and such that are not on the, on the sweet side? Um, I don't really do savory food. I have maybe like a handful of times for special like Thanksgiving or Christmas menus, but um, it's, it's pretty rare. And that's because it's not interesting to you or because uh, you just really, really like sugar? <laughs> um, I, I do find it interesting to cook savory food and I still cook quite a bit at home. Um, yeah, I suppose I've just found that uh, the, the cakes tend to be the most popular thing. So I'm gonna focus on that. And is it mostly cakes? Do you ever decide, okay, I'm gonna make pies or um, something, you know, bunches of cookies or anything like that? I do pies at Thanksgiving um, and I've done Christmas pastry boxes that included cookies, but these days it's almost exclusively cakes. And is that your interest? That it, is that because you really like doing cakes or is it because that's what most people want? found that that tends to be the most popular and I also find that just really narrowing my focus and not trying to do too many things has been helpful. Uh-huh and what about cupcakes? That seems to be something people have tended to uh, tended toward recently. Yeah um, I don't do very many cupcakes now. Okay so tell me about your process. How do you decide what it is that uh, you want to cook? Um, a big part of it is driven by what's in season. So what's available in the farmer's markets. And mm -hmm. I, I use that as my jumping off point. So for instance, right now it's citrus and strawberry season. 
Uh I know a lot of my cakes are going to feature those flavors. And then it's just a matter of combining those flavors with other things that I really enjoy. And what other things do you really enjoy? Love using fresh milled flowers. Um, So buckwheat, rye, graham flour, those are all favorites. So I'll incorporate touches of those in the cakes that I make. I love using kind of unusual herbs like lemon balm or lavender. Those are two of my favorites. So just as an example, I might do a lemon balm custard with roasted strawberries or perhaps something with lavender and kumquats. So it's just a matter of what I'm feeling inspired by that day when I'm doing the menu development. So how much ahead of time do you actually develop these things? Do you just do it for the week? Do you do it by every couple of days? How do you do that? So my menu changes roughly once a month. Um, And so orders will open about a month ahead of time and I'll have a seasonal menu available um, at that point. And so how many different things do you generally um, have available at once? It's pretty limited. Usually only about four cake flavors at a time. Okay, so what's available now, just so that people get an idea? Sure, so I always have one item on the menu that's a dealer's choice cake, so that just means whatever I feel like making that week. Um, And so people might pick that if they're feeling adventurous because they don't get to choose the flavor. Mm -hmm. I have a Meyer lemon and graham flour chiffon cake with a coconut sugar buttercream. I also have a sweet potato cake with a butterscotch custard and a tahini buttercream. And the last cake I have in the menu right now is a devil's food and rye cake soaked with rose fudge sauce that comes with a sour cream custard and a cocoa buttercream. And so how, how big are your cakes? Do people have to buy a whole cake? Can they buy a half a cake? How does that work? Uh, I have six inch and nine inch cakes available. I don't sell cakes, uh, half cakes, no. And so tell me about your famous your famous king cakes since we're in Mardi Gras season right now. Sure. Yeah, all of my king cakes have an enriched dough base, so it's similar to brioche. Um, They have a filling that gets spread inside and baked in. Um, I don't do any king cakes that are like filled after the fact. I know that's that's kind of popular around here, but it's just not my not my style. Um, And then, yeah, and then they get a glaze or frosting of some kind. And so how often right now are you offering king cake? Uh, every week of before Mardi Gras. So they're available on um, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And so give me some examples of the different fillings that you might decide to, to add. So I have a sweet potato king cake that comes with a cardamom meringue topping. I have a date king cake that comes with a sour cream topping, like a sour cream glaze. Um, I have a walnut frangipan king cake that comes with cream cheese frosting. And uh, this week I have a special king cake flavor that is a chocolate and kumquat king cake. So is the chocolate and kumquat kind of mixed together as a, as a filling or is it a chocolate king cake, is the dough chocolate? The dough is the same enriched dough base as all the king cakes with a chocolate filling. It's like a chocolate ganache mm-hmm. and then kumquats. Okay. So how much of this do you actually eat on a regular basis? 
Um, I try all the flavors before I, I make them available to the public for sure. <laughs> so tell me, do you make king cake all during Mardi Gras? How, how do you feel about king cake after Mardi Gras? Oh, I think it's, it's a, a no-go. I don't think people should eat king cake outside of the Mardi Gras season. And do you put some kind of a favor in your king cake? I do. I, I do a traditional gold baby for most of my king cakes, but then I have a few special king cakes that will get a special charm in them as well. So what kinds of things are special charms? Um, to be honest, I found, uh, or rather my friend found a big batch of vintage French king cake fevs uh-huh. that are like miniature ceramic Renoir paintings. Ooh, wow. That's one example. Yeah. That sounds really nice. Yeah. Um, and so, so besides king cakes then and um, other kinds of cakes, especially the ones you have for this week, which all sound really delicious. Tell me about what kinds of pies you might do, say for Thanksgiving or other kind of pie times. Yeah, so last Thanksgiving, I did a sweet potato pie with a butterscotch custard. I did an apple pie with a graham streusel, and I do a chicory ice cream pie as well. Hmm. Is that a frozen pie? That's right, yes. Oh, wow, that sounds pretty good. So <laughs> what kind of crust does that have? That one had a cocoa cookie crust, kind of like a cookie crust pie. Yeah, mm. yeah. that's my favorite kind of crust. Um, yeah, I, am, sure. I am not a fan of uh, traditional crust that, you know, is just called what you would call pie crust. Mm -hmm. I, I always just eat the filling out of that kind of pie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, if you were going to make um, breads or anything like that, is there a particular kind of bread that you really like? Um, I don't make bread uh, as part of my business, but uh -huh. I do enjoy eating sourdough. Sourdough. Okay. Okay. And do you keep your own sourdough on the counter? You I, have a starter? I don't, I don't anymore because I'm not baking sourdough regularly. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but I have in the past. You have. Okay. So also, um, I'm anxious to know what you think about baking with nut flours. I don't personally use them very often. I'm not against them by any means. Um, just not something I've done very much of. And so also, uh, I'm curious what you think about this trend toward gluten-free. Um, again, I'm, I'm not against it. I, I do offer some wheat-free cakes. Um, I don't advertise them as gluten-free because I work with so much gluten-based flour that I can't possibly keep it separate. You know, it's not like a strict allergy. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So have you felt that people go gluten-free kind of as a trend? Um, I mean, not, I'm not trying to say that it's not an allergy because I do believe that it is, but that some people have never been tested. They've just decided that gluten isn't good for you. Um, I don't want to speak to anyone who chooses not to eat gluten. I think there's a lot of reasons people can do it. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people who have quite genuine allergies, so I'm mm -hmm. just respectful of anyone that chooses not to eat it. 
So tell me what you think about the future of what's your, your business right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have a, I still struggle with thinking too, too far ahead just because with COVID things are so um, chaotic right now. Um, so, you know, I, I look forward to continuing to bake king cakes for, for the rest of the Mardi Gras season and then sort of see how the spring goes. And yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. And so do you ever have, you know, a fantasy of having your own bake shop where people would come and buy things or do you really like just doing it to order? I very much prefer the pre-order system because I think it really helps minimize waste just from like a, a food cost and an environmental standpoint. I think it's definitely the way to go. Um, I don't personally ever envision myself having my own bakery. And so do you think that that's a trend that um, more and more people are doing this on a, a business basis where you actually um, could do your whole career this way? Um, that's a good question. I, I do think that with COVID, so many chefs that I know are exploring different ways of making money that aren't the traditional model. Uh, I think it remains to be seen how successful we'll be doing that because um, we're all we're all basically still in the experiment. I'd be really curious to see how it will look in like two or three years. And do you think that you might also provide cakes for restaurants, especially if restaurants get open again on a really broad basis? No, I don't think I really need to. I'm kind of already busier than I can handle. So I don't really think I need to explore new avenues of, of making money right at this point. Maybe I will in the future though. Okay. So have you, have you had um, mental exercises where you explore whether it makes sense to have helpers and working with other bakers? I have explored it. Um, I really enjoy working alone. I think more than any other kind of work experience I've had in my life. So if it's possible for me to keep doing that, I think I would prefer it. So do you rely, how much do you rely on the feedback from your customers in terms of repeating cakes? I mean, I understand that you're trying to do things that are seasonal and, uh, and kind of farm to table-ish, but, you know, there's some things like I could imagine dates or other things that, you know, dried fruit that would be available all the time that um, might be the kinds of things that because they were so popular with customers that you just kind of had all the time. Have you thought about that at all? Um, I, I haven't really, to be honest. I'm pretty lucky that I haven't really had to take a whole lot of feedback. People seem to really enjoy eating what I like to make. And I think obviously, because I, I like to make it, I enjoy making what I like to make the most. So I just sort of go with the flow in that regard. And so what about exploring other people's cakes? Do you do a lot of that? Just to Actually, see what yeah. other people are doing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I love trying other people's baked goods of all kinds. 
I mean, do you do that like intentionally, like go out and buy what other people are doing when you travel? Do you make sure that you go and taste other people's cakes? Absolutely. Yeah. And so what, who are some of the people that, uh, that you've, that you've admired or whose ideas you think have been very innovative? Uh, I love Elise's Cake by the Pound. I love Rom House ice cream. They make really special ice cream cakes and pies. Um, Leo's Bread here in town makes wonderful pastries. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of really talented folks in New Orleans right now. And what about when you travel? I haven't really done a lot of traveling in the past <laughs> few years since I've started my cake business with COVID. So um, yeah, I haven't really, I, I definitely follow people on Instagram that I think are doing really incredible stuff. I haven't had an opportunity to try all their food yet, but I, I definitely look forward to it in the future. And so one of the things that I think a lot of, of people have been doing is writing a cookbook. Have you thought about doing that? You know, I've thought about it, but to be honest, I don't know if I feel like people really need another cookbook from a white lady chef making cakes. I think that there's a lot of people who deserve to write cookbooks that haven't had that opportunity that probably should get in line ahead of me. Um, so yeah, that's it's kind of how I feel about that. Okay. So do you keep good records of what you bake so that if you really like something that you can bring it back that so it'll taste the same or sort of does it does it get a new iteration every season um I do keep records yeah I, I write everything down and so do you have you ever found something that you said okay this is perfect the way it is and this is the one I want to keep or is it always changing I think that um, I'm pretty self-critical, so I always think there's going to be room for improvement. And when you do that, do you also like think about new ingredients that you haven't tried before? And what new ingredients have you been thinking about that you wish were available? Huh, I'm not sure if, if I've really actually gone down that train of thought. Um, so I'm not sure I have an answer actually right off the top of my head. I feel really lucky getting to work with what we have available locally. Um, and uh, I think that if you if you look for it, there's really always something new kind of like right here in Louisiana that you can use that's, that's cool, so. So even in winter? Oh yeah, I mean, we have a new variety of citrus that we were just started being able to get this year that's grown locally that I've never seen anywhere else before. That's available in like November? Uh, no, it's available right now. Oh, okay. Well, that's true. It is winter, isn't it? And so tell me about the seasons. How, how would you go through the seasons and, um, and anticipate what, what we would have at different times of the year? So it's, it's pretty intuitive for me because I've lived here for a long time and I've worked as a pastry chef here for a long time. So I know that in January, we almost always have citrus and strawberries um, and that will extend to, to some degree through February. Um, the spring is all about blueberries and blackberries into the summer, which is peaches, mayhaws. Um, you know, fall, we can get regionally grown apples from like Alabama and Northern Alabama and Georgia. Um, and then squash, obviously sweet potatoes are pretty great year round. Um, yeah. So what about bananas? 
Uh, I don't personally like bananas very much, so I don't, haven't used them very often. Okay. Um, anything else that you really don't like? Um, as far as sweet applications go, bananas are pretty much it. Oh, I'm not a huge fan of persimmons. I will say that. Okay. So that's pretty new to Louisiana. There are a lot of persimmons here. Mm -hmm. um, grapes or, um, and you were talking about dates. So they're not local. Are they the dates that you're using? No, the dates wouldn't be local, but I do use local grapes in season. I love muscadines. So are muscadines hard to work with because they have such seed? They're so seedy? Um, I don't personally find them hard to work with, no. Pretty good at de-seeding them these days. Okay. Um, I, that's been one of my chores uh, is like my grandparents used to have uh, muscadines and I hated the seeds. I just hated <laughs> them. Yeah. So what about figs? I love figs. And what, have you found a source of cooking pears? Um, I haven't had a good luck finding pears in Louisiana. Yeah, uh, because my grandparents also used to have um, four cooking pear trees. That's what they call them. They were really hard pears, but uh, we would grind them up and, and cook them down with cinnamon and lemon peel. And um, I'm not cinnamon, I'm sorry, uh, ginger and lemon peel. That was so really, good. really good. It, like a, almost like a, a pear butter. Um, mm -hmm. It was really good, but Sounds it's very local. Yeah, I, I love pears. Um, I hope to be able to find a good regular local source of them soon. And what about using wine or liquor or any of that sort of thing in what you uh, are making? You know, I actually really don't use a lot of liquor in my baking. And I think that's mostly because the last chef, one of the last chefs I worked with um, was sober. And I just got really used to not including alcohol in things that I made, um, just as a sort of, I just wanted to be respectful of that. Uh -huh. It kind of just fell out of the habit. So I, I do once in a blue moon, but not very often. And what about things like uh, orange water or, or rose water, things like that? I do use uh, orange blossom and rose water. Okay. Because those are things that I always think of as very New Orleans, uh, even though, you know, they're not, they're not your ordinary, um, your ordinary flavoring. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. But I think New Orleans has a tendency to have some of those more exotic flavors. Uh, and like one of my favorites, even though we certainly don't grow it here, is pistachio. But we do do grow pecans. Do you use a lot of pecans? I do. I love pecans. And so are they in pies or do you use them also in cakes? I've used them in cakes as well. Um, I did a pecan chiffon cake recently that I loved. And so do you use like um, a pecan dust or, or flour in it as a flavoring or do you just chop them up? How do you, how do you use them? I'll grind whole pecans and fold them into cakes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like that. I like mm -hmm. that a, a, a lot. I use um, pecan flour sometimes in different things that I make mixed up with regular flour, just because, you know, with wheat flour. And I just, I love that flavor. Oh, it sounds so good. 
Well, anything that uh, we didn't cover that you think we should be talking about? Nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, I have one more question. So sure. are, are, do you explore other kind of fats besides butter, like um, olive oil or any other kinds of oil for your cakes? I do use a lot of olive oil. I, use a, I make an olive oil chiffon cake pretty regularly. I am a big fan of uh, cornmeal cakes with olive oil that use a lot of citrus. I think that's mm-hmm. really good. Totally. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I'm looking forward to my next bite of your cake. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue. We come to you from the Camellia Bean Studio at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, part of the Nitty Grits Network. For more information on today's podcast, join the Tip of the Tongue podcast group on Facebook. Please come by when you're in New Orleans and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, let us know in the comments. This is Liz Williams.